I'm so excited to be able to introduce our speaker for the evening. She is a woman of God, known locally as the Exorcist. Let's welcome Christina as she comes to bring the word. Come on. Hello. <clears throat> you know, I'm really starting to like that title. <laughs> you know, for my 40th birthday, work gave me um, a special little card holder tin thing and Marissa made these beautiful business cards that they meant as a joke, but it's The Exorcist. And then I've been giving them out, so. <laughs> they weren't planning on that, but I did it, so. <laughs> uh, okay, let me just sort myself out here. <laughs> and you know, once I was having a, an appointment with my bank manager, and I didn't actually remember the title of my role when I first started working here, and I remember texting Rachel when I was sitting with my bank manager, and I was like, what, what, what's my role again? And she's like, the exorcist. And I'm just like, just tell me the title of my rose. <laughs> anyway, all right. Okay, well, hello, it's me. Um, <laughs> um, you know, every time I get up here, it's what it feels like. Every time I get up here and I have this microphone in my hand, I feel like it's laundry day for me. So, soz about that, but it's just, it's just how I roll. Um, and. God help me if what I share tonight is just information. Like I don't want it to be information. I don't feel like people are into information. But what, I, what I'm gonna share tonight is both um, a word that I believe is in season, which is why I'm here doing this, um, and also because um, for some reason, every single time I have a word in season, it plays out in my life. Like it's, it actually becomes part of my journey. So, and, and I love to share it that way. I love to share how it all started, how it unfolded and, and where it ended. Um, so enjoy. All right. So, because it feels like every time I learn something, it has to be the hard way. Um, and that's okay. I don't, I don't mind. Um, all right. So how it all began. So about six weeks ago, um, you know, there's, there's been something in my, in my thought life that I've been struggling with for, for a little while now, and it kind of like ebbs and flows. Like, so there, what I mean by that is there are times where it's super surface, and I find that I'm putting a lot of energy into navigating it and, you know, trying to overcome it, and then there are seasons where it, it kind of just like dips and it's almost gone to ground. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Yes, very good, very good. Okay, so this is definitely a word in season, good. Um, yeah, so it was just like this thing that, I mean, it wasn't ideal, but it certainly wasn't a big deal, right? Because when something you know, is a big deal, you spend a lot of time and energy and it normally doesn't go to ground. So it wasn't one of those things, it just kind of like did this. And then about six weeks ago, it was at one of those times where it was peaking and it was quite surface in my world. And you know, I would, I would try to, to manage it and I would like repent, and, but it just, I just couldn't seem to quite overcome it. So if there is something in, in your world that you can relate to that that kind of fits that description, and this is, this is you need to hear this. Um, and then one morning in that, in that season, and I'm, when I say season, it'd be like two or three days at a time, and then it would kind of go to ground and then it would peak again. But in, in that um, time frame, there was one morning where 
I didn't wake up, I was woken up. It was about five o'clock in the morning and I woke up and it was like, you know when you wake up and then you kind of like, you become aware of your room and you know, if you're sleeping in a weird position and then the normal thought processes kick in, it wasn't like that. I woke up and it was like God was sitting there like this, waiting for me. So I kind of woke up and I was like, you know, and then in his hand, he was holding the issue, the issue that was, you know, did this in my world. Um, But it was the first time I had seen it like that. So when I saw it, I was like, it was so vile, it was so um, not okay, that I found myself just saying, um, I, I, I just kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that, that, that's, that that's, what it, that's the reality of this thing, I'm so sorry. And, um, and I said, how, how did I not know this? Like I've asked you this, about this so many times. And he said to me, he, go, he said, you've never seen it the way heaven sees it. You've never seen it the way I see it. And I'm trying to process everything that he's saying. And he said to me, he said, Christina, he said, the soul trivialises things. And I couldn't go back to sleep. I was wide awake. I was like, you know, I, I, felt, I felt so um, convicted, not condemned. I felt convicted over that thing. So I got up and um, I jumped in the shower and because I knew he was going to continue talking about it. And he did. And he just said to me, he said, listen, this is a season called the season of no excuses. So welcome to the season of no excuses. This is a season that we're in right now. Um, And he said, I'm gonna teach you what that means, but you're going to fast while I do it. And he said, no alcohol, no food, and no social media. So all the fun things. Um, And I had no warning. I had no warning, because usually when I know I'm going into a fast, I'll load the day before. (laughs) Like, you think I'm joking, I'm so not joking. Like I will fully load, like Nick will cook his beautiful pasta puttanesca and then we'll go buy a bottle of red to go with it. And then I'll, I'll make sure that I cram in some dessert. Um, and then my night would normally end with like, I've got these fancy little ramekin things, which I'm not a fancy person, so I don't really use them for anything else, but I fill them with TV sticks. And then I just lay in bed and they're on my chest and I just eat them while I'm scrolling through social media. So <laughs> but I was robbed of the opportunity of loading the night before. Um, but I didn't really feel like I had a leg to stand on. Um, so he said to me that morning in the shower, it's a season of no excuses. You're gonna learn how the soul trivializes things and you're going to fast while I'm doing it. Um, so I was like, okay. And then um, I didn't, at the time I didn't know how long I was fasting for, it turned into seven days. Um, and I, I understood, I understood what happens when you fast. All of the ugliness that is inside of you, that food, alcohol, entertainment, TV, social media, all of those things are masking something. They can, I mean, not every single time, but for a lot of us, it masks something and it becomes a distraction. It becomes a way, an off-ramp, a way to disassociate. And I thought I was fasting for a particular thing, but I wasn't. He was just showing me how much I had trivialized things in my inner world when all of these things are, are happening at the surface. Right, well, all the distractions and all the all the counterfeit comforts. Um, now, you know, I'm assuming we all know what trivialized means, but I'm just going to read it out because I've taken the time to type it. It says here, to make something less important or less significant or complex than it really is. Right? Okay. So um, I did this fast, and 
I knew it wasn't finished. I knew the lesson wasn't over, but the fast was over. And around about that time, maybe a few days later, Todd approached me and he said, oh, you know, I want you to preach. Can you get a word? And I was like, I've got one. So, um, so I'm going to take you on the trail that is t- they took me on. So my next day off, um, day off, you know, I've learned something about this recently. I want to apologise to every single person that I've used this when I'm talking to you because apparently I've been using it wrong. So like Joey out of Friends, if you haven't seen the episode, watch it, it's very funny. So on my next day off, um, I spent time with the Lord and I said to him, I said, well, you've made a very clear statement. You've said that the soul trivialises things and then you topped it with, this is a season of no excuses. Okay, you've got my attention, but I don't fully understand what you're saying and now I've got to preach. So I said, I would really appreciate if you would just unpack it for me and preferably through scripture, like give me something. Um, And then it just started just like that. So this is exactly how it happened. So just bear with me, okay? So he said to me, he said, I want you to go and study the interaction between the serpent and the woman. I was like, okay. You know, it's a story that we've all read a million times. And I'm not trying to rewrite the book of Genesis or, or, you know, host a Bible study on the book. I'm not doing that. I just want to share with you specifically what he showed me in a portion of Scripture. So this is what he showed me. Can we put up the Genesis? Yep, that's it. All right. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now this, this word's not up here, but in the King James, the, the serpent's first word is yay. Okay, so I'm just gonna put that in there. I'm gonna add that, but it was just too hard to read it in the King James Version. All right, so. <laughs> and he said to the woman, yay, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the very day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. So I just wanna, um, I don't care if you take it down, that's fine. There's just a couple of things I wanna point out there, right? So I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here, but this is what he highlighted to me. So the word serpent, the root word of the word serpent actually means to whisper, a spell. That's what serpent means, right? The root of it. Um, and the word cunning there, because the serpent was more cunning, has you know, many expressions. It means to bank bear, to be aware, um, smoothness, and to be prudent. The root word of that word prudent means stratagem, okay? A plan or a scheme, especially one used to outwit an opponent or achieve an end, okay? And the reason why I want to mention the word yay is that's how we started the conversation, right? In the King James, that was the first word that he said, yay. Now that word there means accession. So it basically means the process of acquiring positional rank. So, and what I felt, now this is my opinion, right? So please, you know, you do with this what you want. But that spoke to me of, the serpent was inviting the woman into a place that was a counterfeit place of empowerment right, to question Plumline, a place that she had no capacity to do so. She wasn't created with that level of capacity, right? And, you know, we look at that interaction and we think, yep, that was a once-off clash between humanity and, and, you know, 
the enemy um, and that kind of set the, the, the tone for, for the rest of the world. But, you know, just like we were talking on Sunday about inserting yourself into the story, you know, the, the Bible isn't a history book. The Bible is a playbook. And he who has an ear to hear will, you know, it would behoove us to understand the Bible is a playbook. Um, so, so as I was unpacking this, you know, let, let me just suffer me a bit. I'm sure you already know this. But obviously that, that, that interaction frames up the agenda of hell. The, and the agenda being to shift perspective away from plumb line, away from truth, right? And also, to me, it, it's, it's the greatest deception that we think that we have the ability to create any plumb line. It's a false economy. We, we, do not, we are not empowered to do that. We are empowered to partake of the tree of life, which we do have knowledge of good and evil, but it's through Him, right? Okay. And then, you know, then she obviously entertained the thought because then the word saw when it's, you know, then she saw that the tree was good for food and all of that. The word saw there doesn't mean, oh, I'm seeing it. The tree was in the middle of the garden. It wasn't the first time she'd seen it in my opinion. So the word there saw means to behold, to gaze and discern, right? So it it became a posture, her her heart's posture shifted because she stepped onto a trading floor. Again, in my opinion. All right. So again, I'm just gonna say this part again. So we think we have the ability to navigate the knowledge of good and evil, but the truth is it's that knowledge that is designed to crush us. It's not withheld from us because we're given a gate, we're given an avenue to do that, but not apart from Him. And the other thing I wanna raise um, before moving on from this is I I wanna show the difference and how the serpent framed up um, his conversation with a woman. So this is, this is pretty much what he said in the very first sentence. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Right, Genesis 3, 1. But when you go over to um, the chapter before, Genesis 2, when God's giving Adam the original instruction, he says, so this is God's language, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. So over here, you have, um, you know, did God say that you shouldn't eat of every tree of the garden? And then compared to God, surely you may freely eat of every tree of the garden. So one brings a perspective of loss. Hold on, I'm losing something here. The other one brings a perspective of empowerment. Can you see that? Okay. And then later on, this is where I'm gonna end in Genesis. Later on in when, you know, God kind of busts them and they're hiding and then, you know, he approaches them and he confronts them. He says, um, he says to the woman, what is this that you have done? And she says, the serpent deceived me. Now we know that deceived doesn't mean lied. It means to allure, to, to seduce, to lead astray and to beguile. I only know what that means because it's on this list. Never heard it before. To beguile. And I was going to Google pronounce Beguile, beguile. <laughs> so anyway, so you're like, okay, so, so we're, we're, you know, why, why are you ending on this part, Christina? Because straight after this, he took me straight to James 1.14, which in my opinion is a direct parallel. Now, believe me, I'm not that smart, right? So I've just finished unpacking this. Then he takes me to James 1.14. Can, did I give you that one? Yep, okay. 
But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now that word enticed, so this is now in the Greek, it's in the New Testament. Um, That word enticed means to entrap, to delude, to allure and to beguile. So, So we're saying the same thing here, right? The only difference is, so in my opinion, that's a direct parallel. The only difference is with, there's no serpent manifest in that. It's a whisper. It's a serpent without any skin. It's still something that is real every single day. It's something that we encounter in the soul realm every single day. And his job is to trivialise the truth because he's cunning. He has strategies, okay? So, yeah. And the, the, the dynamic that's described there is one that requires your, your um, will. Like you, you, have to, you have to be voluntarily involved. You are not, when you are, t- when you are um, deceived or you're led astray, you're led, you're not kidnapped, right? Now I'm gonna shift gears. Now, I actually like saying that because I can't actually drive a manual, so it's the only time I get to flex that muscle. Actually, no, 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 I can. Well, it depends on how you define drive. I, I can, if one of you needed to get to the hospital, I could totally get you there. You know, I, one, one day, if somebody's watching this who was in the car with me, they'll remember this. I did actually drive my mum's, she had a, a Mitsubishi Sigma. They're not on the road anymore. But anyway, tiny little boxes. And, um, and I, I drove it to go pick up my sister-in-law from Woolworths in the back streets of where my mum's house used to be. And my head smacked up against the steering wheel so many times. I bunny hopped so many times. I had, I lost full control of my bladder. Like just, I laughed so hard. Now you all laugh at a secondhand embarrassment. I just, I stopped caring a long time ago. Like I have, anyway, I digress. Back to shifting gears. All right, okay. So, what, what I want to share with you um, is I, I, ha, uh, I want to share a very painful lesson that I learned recently. You know, when you get a revelation on something, and especially if you like to talk about it, expect to be tested. And I know Maddie, um, Maddie uh, raised that when she preached a couple of weeks ago, when she totally defamed me with the Anzacs. <laughs> That's okay. I'll be kind. Anyway, I was like, I'm never going to be able to show my face again. Anyway, um, but you know, Maddie was talking about how, you know, she got tested not long after the word that she brought previously. Um, and it's so true. I'm not going to see that as a sign. <laughs> um, it's so true. You, you, you do get tested, when, you know, when you, when you profess to have revelation or something. Um, and I got tested, and I got tested a lot. It, it, it cost me a lot, I should say. But I believe it's because I really agreed with what heaven was saying about this season. I believed when the Lord said, this is a season of no excuses, and the soul trivialises things. I was like, yeah, come on, because I'm one for truth, right? And you know, actually, since we're talking about testing, that, that verse um, in James 1 that word tempted in the beginning, you know, but each one is tempted. Did you know that that word means to be tested and scrutinised and examined? Interesting. So it's also fair to say 
that any deviation off of plumb line exposes us and allows us to be tested and examined and scrutinised. Because this, this is what, when I was unpacking that in Genesis, this is what I saw. I just had like a series of mini visions. I think that, I mean, maybe it's just me. I think that we have this perception that plumb line is something that's external from us and that we as Christians build truth parallel to that. And it's a point of reference whenever we need to, whenever we need to justify something or whenever, whenever we need that, that stability or, you know, confirmation. And that's not actually what plumb line is. Plumb line is a place that we're supposed to remain and dwell and stay. We're supposed to exist from that place. So in my opinion, every single time we build a truth unto ourselves, I mean, we, we can buy the bricks from the right place. We can buy from His branding and His legacy and His thoughts, but we don't have the ability to create plumb line. So it's always gonna end up skewed at some point. So to me, you're free, you know, we're free to build. And this is, the, I learned this the hard way. We're free to build, but it's not an external factor. It is a place we're meant to remain in. We don't have the right to build outside of that. Any deviation off of that is deception. And you expose yourself to scrutiny. Because when you do that, you're stepping on a floor of self-righteousness. Right? And again, how do I know? All right. So going back to me. Um, I recently got tested on this word. And for those of you who don't know me very well, truth is very important to me. I'm like the truth police. <laughs> Some might even describe me as black and white. I love the truth. And it doesn't help when your spirit and soul redemptive gifts are profit, profit. But, um, but the reality is I can't change or hide how important truth is to me and that I do spend a lot of my time seeking it. Um, but what I realised was that that reality that I just described, that I was building a plumb line of truth, still truth, but not on Him it was just off of him. It was still unto myself. And we all do it. Like, I'm not even gonna wait for agreement on that. We all do it. All right. Um, and you know, you do, what does it mean to do that through the soul? You do that through your thoughts. You do that through, you know, through your own understanding. You do it through um, your personality. We, we justify a lot of this a lot of the time because we trivialise truth. Um, so basically when, when, you know, I keep coming back to this, you know, I'm trying to tell you that I got tested. Um, I was forced to see that my desire for truth, as honourable as, as it is or was, um, had become so great that I had actually built a construct and it was keeping a part of me bondage. Um, and, you know, and I realised I didn't have, uh, I hadn't understood that truth has many expressions and it has many layers again, because I'm limited in my understanding. And when we build, when we build truth, so I'm not talking, I mean, this is not in question. This, he is who he is. But when we build truth, we may be right, but he, he explained to me that right is one dimensional and wisdom is only found in the full counsel of the Lord, right? So that's why being right isn't the principal thing wisdom is. <sighs> All right. Sorry, my mouth is getting dry. Okay, so I had finished unpacking and preparing this word about four weeks ago. And um, 
about a week after that. So I finished it, like typed it all up, you know, it was all done, closed the computer, I'm ready. When they asked me to preach, I'm ready. Um, one week later, my father was killed in a car accident. Um, you know, I'm sure all of you know about that. Um, and obviously it was sudden and it was a shock. And you know, it's, um, I don't know if, if any of you guys heard about it, it was, they shut down 250 kilometres of highway for it because there was some complex issue around the, the chemical spill or something. You know, it really was like my dad to just go out with a bang. Like, we, I, I, I did manage to laugh. I was like, of course you're going to shut down 250 kilometres. The only other time they do that is when they do the Woomera UFO blooming, whatever they do out there. I don't know, but they do, they do, some, they do stuff out there. Don't, don't, I know, they do stuff out there. But anyway, that's funny. All right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so my father was killed in a, in a car accident and then you go through, you know, all of the motions, you, you know, from the phone call that wakes you up in the middle of the night and then you're trying to navigate like what, what's up, what's down and everything, your world's upside down. So not only was I navigating grief and you know what? I'm sure many of you in this room, you know, have, have experienced something very similar. So I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm the first one to experience, you know, an immediate family member, you know, passing suddenly. But for me, it was new. Like, you, you have an idea of what grief is. I do a lot of work with in, 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 in a healing here. So I have an understanding of grief to a degree, but it's, I don't think grief, I don't think you can predict grief at all. So everything, like every second of every day was new for me. Like, what's tonight even going to look like? What's tomorrow morning going to feel like? What's it going to be like when I rock up to my mum's and I have to see her, I have to face her? Like, what, 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 what does it even mean? So while I was navigating the grief, it would have been nice to have received a memo from heaven. Uh, you know, hear ye, hear ye. When you're in hectic grief, anything in your world that can be shaken will be shaken. Even the pre-existing stuff. You don't just get to isolate that part of your life and then you just get to feel the grief. And so everything pops all at once because that's what really happens. For those of you who didn't know, that's what, that's what really happens. So everything in my, in my internal world that was unresolved, wounds, anything like that, that could be shaken, shook violently. And you know, thus began the brutal testing of the word. Um, and I began to confuse the internal storm with the grief. You can't, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you divide? Like, how do you figure that out? Um, and because I'm an external processor, um, you know, there, there, are, there are very few people in my world that, you know, I receive, you know, counsel from, um, people that I trust and, you know, people that are very close to me. And in that time, I chose to, to stay open and to stay above board. I, um, I realised I was navigating uncharted waters and I, you know, I could feel that it had the potential to spin me out. So I, I would process, you know, with, with, you know. And in that time, I ha I, they spoke into my blind spots. They didn't speak into the grief. They spoke into the, the, the parts that I was holding as my truth. Those things that were justifying my behaviours and, 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 and my thought processes. Now, you might think that's a little bit hectic. Like, how can you have somebody just talking to your blind spot when you're grieving? Let me tell you, it was the best thing I could ever have happened to me. Because what it did is it pegged, it pegged me to the true character and nature of God. 
which does not change when your circumstances are crazy. It actually set up and established pillars in my world at the time. I'm not saying I was like, oh, thank you, that's amazing. Like it was a bit of a, you know, it hurt, but it's, it's what pegged truth for me. Because, you know, your natural circumstances do not change the character and nature of God. So grief is healthy and it's normal, but that wasn't the issue. The issue is, was what I was holding on to as right. Because when you're under pressure, you know, Todd says this all the time, you only are, like the only thing that's real about you is what you have under pressure. So that's a, that was a time of pressure. So anything that was a liability to me, even the truth that was not, that was built just off of Him, you put pressure on that, it's gonna wobble. It's not gonna serve you well. And it's a very inconvenient time to discover the flaws in your heart, in your world, and the realisation that you have to yield these things that you perceive to be your rights. It's very confronting to, to realise, oh, this is the Lord's plumb line. I agree with it in theory, but if we do a really, you know, if, if we... If we honestly audit our internal world, you will see that you've built just over here and that's unto self. We are not entitled to our own truths and we don't have the capacity for it. It's deception. And now remember, at the very beginning of this, the Lord said to me, He, he knew what was gonna happen. He knew that, you know, because um, he, sorry, I jumped ahead. He said to me, this is the season of no excuses ready to preach my word, tragic loss of my dad. That was all meant to happen. Because had I delivered this word before my father died, I believe that I would have done a disservice because I actually got tested on it and I got to adjust those things that I wasn't carrying as real conviction, right? And you can't bargain with the Lord. He only trades in one currency. You know, sometimes you're gonna have to fold your hand not knowing what He's holding and you, and you don't get to set or raise the ante. It is what it is. You know, and I've learnt huge and painful lessons around my dad's death. And if I had to summarise, um, if I had to summarise this into one single thought, this is what it would be. Don't allow yourself to be deceived by your own truth. Instead, Identify those truths and plumb lines you've built that are a liability to you and will cost you the most the longer you leave them. And what I wanna do is I wanna, um, in, in those two weeks after my dad died and I started and I, you know, I got realigned a little bit as painful as it was, I wanna share with you how I rebuilt, how I rebuilt in that season and it's funny because I didn't notice this until this afternoon, you know, before I came. But the scripture that he kept bringing to me in those two weeks is James 1, 17. So just, you know, a little bit further down. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above.
and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no variation or shadow of turning in Him, but there is a heck of a lot in our soul. It's not a safe place to build truth. It's just not worth it, it's a false economy. And you know, sometimes here we use the saying, you can choose your own sin, but you can't choose the consequences. Well, I've made my own now. This is my new one. You can choose your truth, but you can't choose the test. Because tests are designed to reveal the truth. Tests are designed to expose what is solid. So we get to build however we want. But at some point, that's all gonna be tested. And the longer you leave it, the greater the test, the higher the cost. That scripture there, like it undoes me every single time. I'm not crying because of what happened three weeks ago. I've done all of that. I didn't wait till I got here on the stage with a microphone in my hand to do it. I want to share with you, when you look at this particular verse, with an open heart, I'm gonna read it again. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is nothing that's gonna move that. There is nothing that's gonna move him. I could have played the grief card. I could have decided to be an organic free range chicken running through the fields. <laughs> Leave me alone, I'm grieving. But let's just build with a deception. Why don't we just add a few more bricks to that wall? There's never an inconvenient time to remain and dwell and plant ourselves on His plumb line. Actually, what we perceive to be inconvenient is actually the opposite because that's the time it's gonna cost you the most. But I wanna end on a really encouraging note. Um, before the incident, when I was still unpacking the Word, um, I had multiple visions of the same thing and I had no idea why. So as I'm unpacking this, I kept like, you know, um, you know in Isaiah 9, 6, it talks about the government being on His shoulders. If that was a picture, that's what I kept seeing. I kept seeing the Lord and His shoulders were highlighted and I saw government. But the government didn't look like, you know, ScoMo and, you know, on this side and a devil on that side type thing. It wasn't like that. It was just like, I just knew that this image, that this, this substance on his shoulders was government. And I was like, why do you keep showing me this? Like it'd be flash visions while I was prepping this word. And he said to me, go and read it. So this is what, this is what he revealed to me. So in, in that portion of scripture, specifically that portion where it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. That word government, the root word for government means to prevail and to have power as a prince. It's only found three times in the Old Testament and each and every time, just those three times, each and every time is a direct reference to Jacob. So I was like, okay. So Genesis 32, 28, when God changed His name from Jacob to Israel, which meant a whole new level of ruling and reigning, right? A transition into true sonship. And the scripture there is, you know, as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men. In Hosea 12, 3, when Jacob was in the womb and it talks about how he grabbed onto his brother's heel, the word there is he had power with God. And Hosea 12, 4, describing Jacob's power over the angel and prevailing against him, right? So it's only used three times. 
and in direct reference to Jacob. So I saw there that our original design is to obviously rule and reign with the Lord, but not with Him, on Him, in Him. That's what it means to remain and dwell in, in, on His plumb line. So that was always His plan for His people. Not making our own way like the woman did. To transition in, from slavery into, into true sonship, which was Jacob's design. And the government will rest on his shoulders. He's not talking about a bunch of people that sit around, you know, Parliament House. He's talking about the sons ruling and reigning, transitioning from slavery into sonship. That's what it means to remain on his plumb line and doing it on him because only he has the capacity to create that. But we get to partake of it. So if you're happy to, I'd like to um, just speak a few things over communion. Spirit, I thank you for your perfect design and order. I thank you that you mean everything that you say. I thank you that when you gave Jesus to die on the cross, you did it unto the restoration of all things. I thank you that it's what gives us the ability to access all things. I thank You that it was unto transformation and transition from slavery into sonship. I thank You that's all You require of us is to be truly abandoned in You. I thank You that You are the only truth. I thank You that You have simplified everything for us. I thank You that You gave us a resting place on Your shoulders to rule and reign as princes with God, with You. I thank You for exposing the strategy of the enemy. withheld power or provision from us. But you have your design and your order and it's perfect. So we just pray that you just bless this communion now in Jesus' name.
The Lord's been showing me for the last couple of days. Uh, no, more, yeah, yeah, the last few days. I kept seeing, um, and I saw it again tonight. I saw, the first time I saw it was Friday night, but I saw an angel with, with, a, with a sword coming out of his hand. Just right there. And the words that I heard was ability to rightly divide. And I didn't really question him on it until when I saw it again this evening in worship. And what I felt him say to me is that there is an invitation now to receive capacity, to rightly divide between what it is that you have built as opposed to what the Lord has asked you to do. So if anyone wants to receive that, it's it's like an impartation, I suppose. If anyone wants to receive that, you know, please stand up and I'll um, just release that. It's gonna be quick and simple. Holy Spirit, I thank You that You're not a tease. I thank You that it is Your desire with everything that You say to bring the fullness to Your people. I thank You that You're so good. I thank You that You constantly destroy the perspective that the enemy tries to sell us. I thank You that with this Word of a season of no excuses, You have provided solution, not just in keys, but You've come bearing gifts. So right now in the Name of Jesus, I release the angel that I saw with a sword coming out of his hand, the ability and the grace to rightly divide to discern those things that we have built unto ourselves, those things that are remaining a liability for us. I thank You that with each open heart that is postured now to receive that, that You would just begin just to release and impart that. Lord, I thank You that You were violent for Your people. I thank You that You're violent for Your people.
people's internal worlds right now. So we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and breathe on that word.
Is there anyone here who keeps hearing it's too late? It's too late. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Anybody else?
landing now that was an amazing amazing word tonight and I can feel that everybody's kind of in a space you know do you know that there was a power there was so much it was so much um, truth and it was just such a beautiful unpacking of that those truths tonight but do you know what really hit me was the building just just outside when you're building just outside and how many people did that part really, you were like, oh my goodness. Do you want to say a prayer about that right now? It's a, it's a dangerous prayer though, because Christina just demonstrated that it's not going to be an easy, but I think, we, I think that we should do a prayer around that, even right now. If you would like to be, if you'd like to receive that, you could either stand or just, or just repeat the prayer after me. It's entirely up to you. But you just say this, just say, Holy Spirit, I ask you tonight, to reveal any parts of my soul <laughs> that have been engaged in building a little bit outside of the right plumb line. Holy Spirit, scrutinize, investigate, research every part of my heart and soul. 
and make any adjustments needed to see my right plumb line established. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now you people sitting down, they go, oh, that was nice, that was a good prayer to end, that was a good tying up of the service. When you go home tonight, it's going to, no, Lord. That's so good. Listen, can we thank Christina for an awesome work? That was really, really amazing, really outstanding. Really, really was. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and, and sharing your life with us. Awesome. Well, that's it for this evening. We will be in touch with you guys over the next little while. Um, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And I think that's it. So be blessed. Have a great sleep tonight as the Holy Spirit scrutinizes your inner world in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>